So welcome to Partner Up Partnerships Podcast. All right, we're live. And I was like, I have all these questions to ask. The thing that matters in a partnership is the trust and sacrifice. Composing, building software that works for you. Start to populate. So um, we're here. We're here with Miss Adrian Coburn. Adrian, welcome to Partner Up. Hi guys, how you doing? Doing all right, doing all right. Well, we're super excited. Adrian's uh, tuning in from north of the border in Toronto. Uh, I missed you last time I was there, um, and you were actually at a different company. You were at Uberflip then, and now at uh, Shopify, right? That's right. That's quite the journey. <laughs> the big, big difference. You know, startup selling to the enterprise versus you know, kind of being in the enterprise selling to small businesses. Um, but before we hop in and get all the way into uh, you know, Adrian's background and what we're going to be talking about today. Quick reminder that this episode is sponsored by Crossbeam. Crossbeam is a partner ecosystem platform that acts as a data escrow service that finds overlapping customers and prospects with your partners while keeping the rest of your data private and secure. So you can sign up for free at crossbeam.com. Shout out Crossbeam. Shout out Boris, the teams that uh, help make this possible for uh, Kevin and myself um, and our uh, awesome audience. So we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the, that transition. Like, like what comes to mind whenever you think about like, Hey, I was in a startup selling to the enterprise and now it's literally the opposite. And I'm in strategic partnerships. Mm, yeah. I mean, it's been the best journey I could have painted for myself. And I think getting into partnerships, I had no idea. It was like, you know, take what job kind of comes to you. Cause people weren't bashing down my door for those first couple jobs. And um, I couldn't have painted a better path to be where I am today to have the knowledge that I've gained along the way. Because I think starting at a company like Uberflip, and for those who don't know, Uberflip's kind of a uh, past the startup stage, but definitely still a growing company, kind of 150 people, where there they brought me in to kind of figure out what is partnerships. And what does it mean to us and where do we fit into the ecosystem? So I was kind of given this empty plate to say, like, try to figure it out. And by doing that, I figured out all the different types of partnerships, the value that it can bring, the challenges that come with different types. So um, I really did understand kind of the big picture. And I think having that background to be able to understand how to kind of put together the playbook, not just for what a particular kind of partnership, but all the different types has allowed me to come to a company like Shopify, which is massive and there is every type of partnerships, but your purview is so much narrower in, in terms of what you're actually doing. And so it's allowed me to kind of understand the bigger picture and then understand where my smaller, narrow purview can fit into that bigger picture. So Adrian, we have a lot of listeners who are in sales that are interested in getting into strategic partnerships. And I think you have an SDR background, right? And so yeah. how, what was that transition like for you? How did you get in? How did you fall into strategic partnerships? So I was at a company as an SDR um, and I actually went to a partner organization of theirs to manage the partnership between those two organizations. So that was my first view into partnerships, but it was in travel and tourism, very different industry, you know, not at all the same um, in terms of what partnerships actually means. So that's kind of where I got my background into partnerships. Um, so that was almost a lucky jump that I could kind of go from 
a company that I knew everything about it. And that's why they wanted me at this new company is so I could manage the partnership with the view of both organizations. Um, and then going into a place like Uberflip, partnerships meant sales in a lot of ways. So to have that background, to be able to, to sell uh, through someone in this case, but still at the end of the day, sell, it's hugely important. Um, when I started to grow out the team at Uberflip, I hired two of our SDRs to be partner managers because it's like, they understand it. They know how to get what they want, <laughs> but they can do it with some grace too. What's that, um, what's that kind of look like for you today then? Like what, what does success look like, you know, an Uber flip when you say revenue versus, you know, Shopify walk through kind of not the specifics of the numbers, but maybe what were your North stars, uh, whenever you were, you know, startup mode selling to the enterprise versus, you know, in a public, you know, kind of company selling to small businesses. Yeah. So I think the, one of the biggest things at a startup is partnership needs to be everything. Like you need to have all the different KPIs loosely in mind, like things like attachment rate and services brought in um, and pipeline, all those different things. But at the end of the day, almost every partnerships team that I know at know of at a startup or a small size business money is what they care about at the end of the day. So it's like, you need to play this delicate balancing act with like, you need to prove revenue while still caring about everything else. But the only thing at the end of the day they might care about is revenue. So uh, when we say revenue, you know, it's that qualified opportunity where they're coming to kind of at that 90% that a partner is bringing to the table and the sales team can help close the partner can close entirely themselves. Um, so I think at a startup, that's hugely important is you need to prove that money at the end of the day. Where a larger organization, it's of course important, but there's the oh, those other things that might have been like kind of side KPIs can come, become increasingly important. So, um, for example, services rendered. So, like the amount of services that our agency partners are doing at Shopify is one of our major KPIs because that is what makes that the partner so important is because for the merchant, that's what they, we're not giving them those services. The partner is. And so, although that might've been like a side thing, that's really one of the main things at a place like Shopify, where it's like, they understand it's going to take more of like a holistic view to make a customer successful than just bringing in that revenue. Adrian, how have you had to adjust the way you work with partners uh, coming from um, Uber Flip, which is like a more enterprise focused persona to a more SMB focused persona. How has that changed the way you work um, with with your partners? I think at the end of the day, like I've always thought of my partners as my teammates, right? You know, it's they're an extended part of our team. You, I need to bond with them the same way I would an internal team. So that kind of remains consistent. Uh, but I would say the the sales relationship definitely changes. So um, at Uberflip, our partners, I was like so deeply ingrained with in terms of the services they were building and offering in terms of the, the deals that they were bringing to the table where I'd have to like actually work with the, you know, help work coach them through that deal and kind of get into the weeds of it. Um, so kind of the amount of time that I spent with these individuals to get them educated, to get them really believing in the mission that we were, that we had was huge. So like I, yeah, these people were my extended team for sure. Where at Shopify, like, they're bought in. They've built their business around it already. 
what they need is just more of like a business coach and an advisor to kind of be like, hey, we're going in this direction. You should probably come here too. Um, so it's more of a yeah, business advisor being like really embedded teammate. So it sounds like in a lot of ways, I always talk about you're competing for your partner's money, meaning partners make their money off of selling time. So every time that you ask for their time, you're literally asking them to spend money, right? Partners aren't on your payroll. So at, at Uberflip, you really had to invest a lot of time into developing and convincing people to build, you know, services around, you know, your product offerings. Whereas at Shopify, those offerings are probably a little bit more defined. So you're probably the, the difference here is like, you're trying to convince someone to get a new offering and, and bring it to market. Whereas at Shopify, it sounds like you might get a lot more resistance around, wait a second, you want me to change my offerings because you're going in a different direction. Have you experienced anything like that where it's like, Hmm, we've had to do change management as opposed to like, you know, lifting the rocket off the ground. Yeah, definite change management. And that kind of goes back to the coaching. It's like the, these partners, um, it kind of, I guess it, the whole, the shift goes from being an ancillary product in which someone can use to, to maybe gain some services, maybe get a couple commission referral paychecks, whatever it may be to being kind of the pivot point of their business. So the partners that I work with today at Shopify, they truly have built their business off of Shopify. So it is change management because we have to help coach them on we're going this direction now, but they're willing and open to do it, especially if they, if, if we are as partner managers really getting in there with them and educating them versus them then getting it like in the newsletter or something like that. So I think the appreciation there. Um, but I think also like these partners have been around since the beginning of Shopify. They've seen it. <laughs> they're used to it. it. They're just like, okay, let's, let's go. They're flexible. They want to adapt. They know that this company changes quickly and that was what makes it successful. So they're just kind of game. You said something interesting there that I want to double click on whenever you're thinking about these partnerships. Uh, so like you said, they've been there from the beginning. Do you typically see like Shopify only partners or is it also, you know, Hey, we also do Magento. We also do privy. We also do, you know, WooCommerce, whatever the heck it is. It's like, we do a lot with Shopify, but we do also other things. Or are these like diehard Shopify only? Is that like a requirement, for example? Definitely not a requirement, but we do see a lot of it. Uh, people are, you know, they've found ways to make revenue off of our business model and you know, but that's also kind of like when you look at my purview as a strategic partnerships manager, a lot of the time, those strategic partners are people who have based their entire business off of, off of Shopify. So I work with lots of people who work with different platforms. I actually think it's advantageous to be able to work with people who are not just working with Shopify, uh, because then we're learning about the ecosystem as well and being able to see it from different angles. So, um, it's definitely not, not a mandatory thing, but I'd say a lot of these people are, are kind of purely. Shopify. Cool. So, so just structurally, what uh, does strategic partnerships mean at Shopify? Is there a difference between like channel sales er, and strategic uh, partner management? Yeah, it's uh, it's the million dollar question about partnerships at Shopify. There's so, there's I don't know twenty partnerships teams. It's there's a lot of different ways to to look at the the organization and what they consider to be strategic partnerships. So 
Um, I can't speak for everything, but basically how my portion of the organization is, is functions. We have our, um, our technology partners, our agency partners, and our, what we call channel partners, what the rest of the world would not call channel partners. So those are people who are, are effectively marketing channels. So they're really deeply ingrained and integrated into our product. Um, so those three are like the different categories. So for tech and agency, we have what are called strategic partners. And those are effectively people that are just really moving the needle. So it's really that at scale, one to many, where we effectively have a sales force or an entire customer success team out there on our behalf. Um, so what defines them is, is, yeah, really just the scale in which they bring in customers. Cool. So, yeah, I mean, I, I went from HubSpot where uh, we kind of saw the same uh, type of um, partnerships where they were really building their business off of uh, our platform to going to um, a company like Typeform where it's it's kind of more ancillary. And yeah. uh, you kind of did the opposite going from Uberflip to Shopify. I'm wondering just like what, um, like how you've, what, what's the management uh, that's different um, with both? Is there um, like, is there a difference in like how you have to educate partners that are just so entrenched in your product that they're building their business off the back of Shopify versus kind of like a more ancillary product? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the level of education, like my partners now educate me on our product. <laughs> like they, they sell me on the new features because, you know, they're that kind of invested and ingrained in it. Where at Uberflip, it was a lot of education and constant selling. So um, I would say constant selling in two forms. One, to the partner, constant selling that, you know, we are the best X platform. We will drive the most results. Then constant selling internally as well. Because as I'm sure you've both experienced, partnerships can often be like the you know, ugly stepchild of the company where they're trying to like somewhat brush it under the rug some, sometimes. Um, so that kind of internal sale, <laughs> no, never. So like that kind of like internal sale of like, this is important and we need to invest in this and for our future. Um, that's, that's different because like it's embedded now. There's always going to be a layer of that no matter what department you're in within an organization, but the, the convincing is a lot of it's been done. I think both of you just said something really interesting that it needs to be written about is like, these are very different strategies. And I hate to say it's tool versus platform, but it kind of is then that general dynamic, right? Like you're either serving a purpose or you can build something around it. Like the services oppor opportunity in, you know, a drift or an Uber flip, um, you know, might be more strategic. It might be a part of a wider offering, but it's like, you know, Shopify or HubSpot's like, I'm driving all of your organic traffic or I am driving your e-commerce strategy. This is like a foundational thing where you need to understand what you're operating with and whether or not partners can build a business around your business. Um, so having seen that happen at Shopify, what would you say to a, someone that's, you know, kind of starting up uh, on partnering up? Like, what do you think some of those indicators are as to whether or not you could build a business around, um, you know, a SaaS application? Sorry. So for, uh, for a partner to build, like for an agency to build their business or for a partner, uh, for an organization to build a partnerships team? I guess you could go both ways, but uh, specifically around if you were to, you know, come into a company 
and they were like, Hey, we've had some people, you know, agencies, consultants, whatever, uh, helping bring us into some accounts, like build a partner program. It seems like you need to make a choice right then and there. Are we a tool or are we a platform? How would you go about evaluating which one and which strategy you would take? I mean, I think it's uh, it's difficult to be a platform before you have the market share to be a platform. So, you know, that's something where I think people get really hung up on this fact that we all need to be platforms. Not everybody can be platforms. If we're all platforms, then it would just be all these things floating out in isolation. Like somebody needs to have the strategy that they need, that they want to plug into a greater ecosystem. So I think, yeah, I would say it's like, you can grow into being a platform, but it's a very hard place to start before you have the customer base, the market share, the, the product breadth to actually be able to do it. Um, and then, yeah, to be able to make the decision, like, you know, we don't actually, we don't actually want to grow to the place where people are plugging into us. This is like a really brilliant strategy to, to go off of other people. Like these companies put in huge investments to make these waves. It's like, why don't we just ride that wave a little bit? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have the magic answer as to like where you decide that or how you decide it. But I think that there's, we get think you very caught up in the fact that everybody should be a platform. Did I? Oh. I, think, I think you just did. You, you did because the answer is if you have to ask that question, then you're not a platform, right? Like you grow into it, you become a platform. Uh, right. I mean, you know, Salesforce yeah. didn't launch the app exchange until they were, you know, 150 million in revenue. Right. Like they were already had a giant ecosystem before they really became a platform and could build a, a business around it. And I think that's a, that's a good point. You, every company really starts off as a tool, right? As a point solution, as a, a painkiller for something in particular. And you might have an opportunity to grow into a platform. Um, but there's few and far between, right? You either work up from the data or down from the experience. And there's, you know, it's like CMS website management. Right. There's like experience underneath that. Then there's like data. So if you're not at the top or the bottom of those, you're somewhere in between. You're probably a solution versus a platform. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you said something inside, which is like every SaaS company wants to be a platform, but not every SaaS company should be a platform. And um, do you, so like every platform should have a channel program, probably. But uh, do you think that every SaaS company should have a channel program if they're not a platform and if they're uh, more of a tool? I mean, I'm probably biased because it's where I'm going to make my money the rest of my life. But like, yes, <laughs> um, I think maybe it's not a, a channel program, but definitely a channel strategy because you're almost any SaaS tool that's out there is going to get someone coming to them and saying, how do I partner with you? And whether that's reselling or referral partner or integrating or whatever it is, there's people are going to come to you and people are going to say that. And so if you are saying um, a different thing to every single person who comes and says that, then the redundancy is going to be huge, first of all. But then you're going to end up doing your your clients and your, your customers a disservice in the end and your partners a disservice in the end because you're going to have a very disjointed solution. So even if it's not like a full-fledged program with like, tiers and you know different like all the very solid agreements there should definitely be a strategy about um how we work with partners and when do we say no i think is the an important part of that as well you make a good point i i like to tell a lot of people don't 
<laughs> it's like, don't do it. Don't do it. If, if you're questioning it and you're not committed, I think that's the other thing is like, it's yes, if you can commit to the learnings and the journey, you know, that's the reason why Kevin and I decided to start yeah. this podcast. It's just like most people are figuring it out on their own. And then what happens is that someone in some other department gets thrown into partnerships and says, figure it out, but without the full support of the business. And in that situation, I would say like, who do you report to? You know, you know, do you report to the CEO? Is the CEO bought in or is this an experiment? If it's an experiment, good luck, right? Like it's the luck of the draw. You're, you're really between a rock and a hard place to, to figure it out if you don't have buy-in, which you said, you know, selling, selling internally, you spent a lot of time doing. Yeah. At Shopify, are you still selling internally? Always. I think, you know, if any, if you're doing your job right, there will always be some level of selling internally, regardless of how established, but it's bigger than me now. And I, that, I think that's the thing, right? It's like, I, you could say that our partnerships team is like 200 people. Like we have so many individuals dedicated to making this work. And so it becomes less about like, I have to pitch this thing in, but you know, you're consistently proving value and pivoting to fit where the company's going. So I think that's something where um, you're con- it, it, that could be looked at as selling in with your company, uh, consistently like keeping up with whatever changes are made to see, to sell how do partners fit with that? Because if you're not making that pivot, then that's where a partnership team can kind of get like left in the dust, I guess you could say. So selling internally to uh, like kind of a more established company, what resources are, um, are, are you are you really like selling to obtain um, at, a, at a public company that's growing quickly and has already invested uh, kind of like in channel? I mean, you have a lot of the same problems, right? Like I always want more employees on my team. <laughs> like I'm consistently like, give me more. Like that's not the right answer. I know that. I would tell anybody that, but it's not the right answer. But like at a certain point you do, you know, you want that. So I think this is, is the same things when it comes to budget and hiring employees and, and all those types of things. Um, I would say the other big piece is selling in partner fit. So like whenever there's a new program that's released, I'm consistently like, hey, how are partners going to be working with that program? Like the new product, like, hey, who's doing the services off that product? Have we developed a strategy for referring merchants to our partners who are using that product? So I think that stuff is just like you're you always have to kind of put your hand up and and step in to these different areas where you're not necessarily being asked to um, to just be the voice of the partner. I'll take a different d- direction here. I'm I'm cu- more curious to be like dive a little bit deeper into what are some of the best lessons that you've learned that you're like I wish people should could know about this in t- inside of a, a partnerships function and role. So this has been something that you're passionate about. There's not too many partnerships people that I hear say I'm going to be making money like this the rest of my life. Um so people like BD people go in and out. It happens all the time. So like Yeah. What what are some of the lessons that led you to say like, hey, I'm going to be doing this forever? It's not a lesson. I'm going to twist your question, but hey, that's what I do. Um, <laughs> it's a like, why am I? Why do I say that? Like, why do I want to be involved in partnerships right. the rest of my life? Um, and it's like the whole my whole kind of schooling career and my first couple jobs at a school, I was always like, I'm not a salesperson and I'm not a marketer. 
and I'm not a customer success. Like I am not any one of those individual things, but I have an interest in every single one of those things. So I don't necessarily want to be the one that is the account manager working with the customer success team, or I don't necessarily want to be the demand gen marketer, but I do want to have influence over how those things function. And that's what partnerships is. It's being able to kind of weave the fabric together of an organization through the partner lens to be able to involve your partners in all these different angles. So you're not, you're not being the marketer, but you're absolutely influencing the marketing team and how it's operating. Um, so I don't know what your question was. That's why I keep doing it. Cause I just think it's the most interesting way to like be a part of everything within an organization, but not actually be on an individual team doing it. I love that answer. It's like, uh, you know, full stack employee that gets thrown around a lot these days. Um, you know, entrepreneurial spirit. Um, in, in my opinion, partnerships is the hardest job in SaaS. That's why I say a lot of folks don't stay there because you have to do a little bit of everything, right? Like it, it is Jack Jill of all trades. Um, and you know, you have people like Pete Caputa who was on, uh, you know, last episode and Pete's now the CEO of Databox. People that crush it in partnerships oftentimes go on to start their own ventures. Bobby, you know, it was in partnerships and then he was the CRO at Twilio, CRO at Next, right? Like they move on to other things as well. Um, but I think, you know, if Adrian, Kevin, you know, the, and, uh, you know, the ecosystem we have our way, like we could actually create a, an ecosystem of partner professionals, right? The same way that there's a sales profession. Um, so hopefully we can share the secrets and uh, do some stuff like that. What are, um, go, I love the way you answered the question. But what are some of the key lessons that you've learned where it's like, wow, that one stuck with me. It was painful um, or it was insightful uh, around strategic and, uh, I guess, channel mm. partnerships. Um, I would say like one of the lessons that I've learned in partnerships is to work with others outside of your organization that that is not necessarily business related. So like the reason why I'm here talking to both of you today is because I've met you in my life outside of my actual job. Like we're none of us have been partners necessarily in our actual jobs, but um, being able to learn from others in a part in the partnerships organization or in partnerships is not every profession does that. You know, not every profession has their little Slack channel where we're like, hey, what did you do with this? And what did you do when you're in this similar situation? So taking advantage of the fact that partnerships people are so open to sharing best practices and getting on a call to like run through the program and like run through the problem that you're approaching um, is, is a lesson that I would say everybody in partnership should be taking advantage of. It's just like ping somebody and say, I'm approaching this problem. What would you do here? 95% of the time, they're more than willing to lend a hand. And I think it's because like people often are isolated as the individual partner person at the organization that we work at. So you need to rely heavily on, on others to be able to get you through that. Um, another like, I don't know, just personal challenge I've had to learn is I think we've touched on this earlier, just saying no to things. You know, you don't, you can't always follow the shiny object. And I'm prone to doing that. So being able to say no to an opportunity that could be actually awesome, but is going to, you know, absolutely wreck your team in terms of the capacity and resources you have. And it's going to be, have to be the only thing you concentrate on all, all year. Um, but, you know, you know, being able to kind of find the opportunities that you want to grasp and be able to give most of your effort to those and spend like 10% of your time kind of following that like shiny object. 
So I, I have to ask this because Shopify has been like one of those companies that's uh, been most successful and most efficient at helping businesses grow during COVID-19. Um, and I guess like how have you had to, uh, how, how have your partners adjust to this? I'm curious to know, like, have you had to like work with them during this shift and like how have you seen them pivot uh, to this this change with COVID-19? Yeah, um, it's it's been really amazing for our partners and and that they they've definitely ridden the wave with us. Um, the conversations that I'm having these days, you know, it used to be a bit more like helping them find clients or referrals or you know coming up with business strategies to get a bit more into our merchant market. And now it's how do you hire developers? How do you get people trained on the product quickly so they can start? whipping out Shopify stores the next day. So, you know, the challenge for these these people that are working within our service organization now is like, how do we take it to the next level? Because we understand that now is the time. So it's definitely changed the dynamic of the conversation to be less troubleshooting, less sales driven, and more like, how do you scale a business to really take advantage of this time? That's really interesting. Um... Has, has, have you had to change the way that you like educate partners or onboard them or have, have there been any like significant structural changes in the program um, that like based on like new needs of the partner? Um, not yet. I think that will come with time. I'm sure we'll see a, a whole new wave of partner come out of this. Actually, I guess that's one. Like we have seen new waves of types of partners that we just haven't seen in the past come out of this. So like, for example, uh, business associations. So, you know, like downtown, it, downtown Toronto, like Queen West has like a business association and they're all of a sudden coming to us say like, hey, we need to partner with you because we need to get every single one of our shops online. And like, that's a different type of partnership who, you know, they don't necessarily have the background in technology. They don't necessarily know how to develop a service around this stuff but they know that the need is there and they, they're doing it to help their merchants versus doing it to help make revenue. So that really changes the dynamic of the conversation about the value of being a partner, what those partner need, um, the long-term vision of how we work together. So, you know, we've had to spin off different programs and education to be able to really support those partners. So I anticipate that that will have to continue as well as really being able to look at not all partners want to be revenue generating partners. There's people who might want to come in for a bit more of the um, offline to online or something to that effect. You, you said something interesting there that I don't know that this is a talked about topic, but I feel like I've encountered it so many times. It's like partner segmentation. Right. Like there's so many different types of potential partners. Like there's agencies, but what kind of agency? Right. Like, you know, e-commerce is kind of one, but are, do you see segments underneath e-commerce? Like you mentioned this new one that popped up, but do you have a, given that Shopify is a little more mature, do you have a partner segmentation? I mean, we do, but I would say the sophistication of it's not probably what it could be just because it's such a developing market. Like these new services are being spun up every day. So to be able to have a really clearly defined segmentation model um, is kind of bucketing people a little bit too much. So we have in the past kind of done more like verticalized approaches with, you know, I'm only going to work with our marketing partners and I'm only going to work with our design and development partners. But the reality is these people's business models are pivoting just as quickly as ours is. Um, so segmentation between 
what value they bring to the organization, yes, but segmentation between like what they actually define themselves as a, themselves as a business, not necessarily. So by what what they bring to the organization, I mean like our technology partnerships have a very different strategy than our agency, than our affiliates, than our you know like all of those are very segmented, but not necessarily within partner type. So. Does Shopify have a uh, a services organization? Like, do you do ProServe onboarding stuff like that internally? Not that you do a lot through channel, but uh, is there any services internally? No, a hundred percent through our partners. I will caveat though that we have two organizations: Shopify and Shopify Plus. And I work specifically with Shopify, which is our um, SMB versus the enterprise. And Shopify Plus does have, I'm sure there's probably on both, right? Shopify Plus probably has larger, um, or is it all self-service? They like, also depend you know, word- almost like 95% on their partners to do it. It's like things that I should know more about that I just don't. <laughs> but no, as far as I know, it's like 95% through our partner ecosystem. The reason why I asked that is just, it's so interesting seeing partners like develop offerings around a, a product like uh, like the, the experience, like let's say I have a, uh, oh, an ABM agency and they're driving specific campaigns to a website around ABM, right? Like that's all they do. It's like their number one value proposition and drift could be involved in that little sliver, but there's like 80% else of other things that it needs to touch as well. So like they're a partner, but how do you build a service offering around just that thing or virtual events? Like that's a new thing that popped up during COVID so many people are becoming virtual event agencies overnight. And it's like, that's one use case. And you have these agencies that kind of specialize across all of these various things across customer experience. And it's been a challenge to be like, how do you work with a virtual event agency versus demand gen versus SEO versus, you know, it and, you know, implementer. And I think, um, there's, I have some ideas around it, but it's just, I'm always curious to hear from other folks if they've had to encounter like, Hmm, the way that I work with this partner I own and this partner I own is night and day different. Right. Do you have partners like that today or did you at uh, Uberflip? Um, definitely on Uberflip because it was a lot more one-to-one. So we had to, you know, like depending on the service that they were running, we would kind of have our own strategy and whether it was um, what they were trying to do, like the product was too small and they need to do it more at scale. Like that was a strategy versus if they could do like a bunch of bundled services around the, surrounding the product, that was a strategy. And that was, it was so one-to-one um, in the way that we were advising partners and working with them to develop those strategies that I had a lot more kind of insight and Intel and uh, an enablement that I was doing to do that where um, at Shopify, like mass majority, like 80% of our partners are very self-serve in the way that they operate with our organization. So, you know, we develop content, we develop enablement programs and trainings and that kind of thing that these people can embrace if that is what the direction they want to go. Uh, but it's very much up to the partner to figure it out. One, one thing that we haven't talked about yet is tiering. Um, do you have tiering in place today with different levels of partners based on various metrics, success, client stories, et cetera? No, we don't have tiering in place. Um, but how yeah. it works is the strategic partners kind of work with that top percent of the 
of the agency partners. Um, so in some ways, I guess we do, but I could work with a growing partner if that's, you know, if I found that there's someone with a lot of potential uh, that's within the ecosystem, you know, I could just as easily work with that person as well. So yeah, it's, it's interesting that a company of our size doesn't, and I don't know, I don't know the background behind that decision. Um, but I can tell you that it definitely gives lots of opportunity for people to kind of make it what they want, where I feel like sometimes tiering can, can be a bit structured in, in, you know, what it allows a partner to do. Um, I think I, I believe in tiering and, and I, you know, I think that there's a lot of value in it, but it's definitely not a one size fits all as to whether a company should do it. That's interesting that Shopify does not have tiering. So you're a believer then you think, you know, if you were starting a program, you know, over in a, you know, scaling organization, you'd be like, yes, tiering is one of the tenants of our program. Um, so I tried to do tiering on Uberflip, but it was like when you're starting out a program, it's too fake to have tiering. Yeah. Cause I don't have anybody in those tiers. <laughs> like if I'm telling you that you're a gold partner, but I only have five partners and you haven't reached any of the thresholds that I've put in place to be a gold partner. Like it's just, it's marketing at that point. And like, that's fine. You can do marketing campaigns. That's, that's one approach. But I think um, at the beginning stages, I actually wouldn't recommend doing tiering. But I would say like as your program scales, it is a way to motivate people. Um, people are people love gamification. People love to see that they're climbing the ranks. They love to help hold that badge saying like I'm number one or I'm in the top to be able to prove it. So um, I do think that it, it really it really motivates partners and um, gets them to buy in a little bit more to doing like the long-term thing with your company. All right. So it's definitely one of those big projects. It's not a, Hey, let's throw up a tiering page and it'll figure itself out. Like it has to be very thoughtful because it, you can turn, yeah. you can turn people away completely where it's like, I'm not jumping through all those hoops and I'm not even going to bring you that first client because I see the game and I don't want to play it. But if you do it right, you know, you can take them along the journey. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. How have your jobs changed, like going from working with um, partners with kind of like a more inbound marketing focus to a more e-commerce focus? Like what's been the most significant change in your job as a result of those uh, those different channel personas? Um, just, I mean, education, like it's, it, they're so different and I didn't anticipate they really would be, but it's like, uh, you know, the, the stuff that I took for granted about kind of knowing all the players and, and knowing the, how the, the agencies functioned within that ecosystem. It's like, you know, it's a, been a huge amount of education that I've had to do. Um, I think if e-commerce, there's a certain amount that you just know intuitively because I experience it every day. Where with something like, like Uberflip, it's, you know, I, you have, it's not natural that you know about B2B marketing software. <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff that you had to do to really educate yourself on the market where, um, yeah, e-commerce comes a little bit more intuitively because you know the brands, you kind of can can picture what a good experience is like versus a bad experience. Um, I think the what I what I loved about more like the inbound world was just the close knit operations of of all of the tech partners involved, and I think a lot of that does come from kind of that enterprise mindset of tool sets needing to work so closely together and having strategies that are really aligned between those different tool sets. So, you know, if somebody was coming on board and, and purchasing Uberflip, I needed to know not just how Uberflip was going to function, but also how every surrounding technology 
in that ecosystem was going to function with our product to really make sure that it was what they should be striving for, like what was going to be valuable. Where with an SMB sale, it, it just not doesn't have that same in-depth knowledge about how everything else works around you. Because you're kind of providing an all-in-one experience in Shopify to some degree, right? Like that's that's really Shopify's value proposition is like you can you can just you're getting live and you're selling products and you don't need 50 tools like you might need with a, you know, a different type of product. Uh, and I guess that's where, you know, the whole concept of being a platform, right. A e-commerce platform comes into play. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, we say, you know, we build for most people most of the time and that the rest of the time is where our partners come in. So like Shopify works with thousands and thousands of tech, technology partners, but they're really app partners where it's more like Shopify is the, you know, the actual platform. And then you have these things that plug into it along the way versus having like 10 kind of equal technologies. Yeah. Like integration partnerships versus app, like this truly is a platform, right? Like yeah. there's, um, there's a really good podcast, uh, called exponent, um, where they talk about platforms versus aggregators. Uh, we'll link that one in the show notes. It's, uh, I'll send it to you if you haven't looked at it. It's, it's a very interesting discussion of like, are you an aggregator? Are you a platform? And I think at the end of the day, if people are building, you know, production quality applications on your site to fulfill uh, a vision versus the end user, you know, living out of multiple tools, it's like they're living in Shopify, but getting what they need. That's, you know, that's the dream state for a lot of companies, you know, the, the, the app store for e-commerce, right. For e-commerce B2B yeah, is uh, really what y'all have built there. Adrian, what, what have we not asked you? What are you like, you, these two idiots, what have, what have we not asked you that you're like, Hey, this is the thing I would want to get out there to the partnerships world. Uh, my hopes, dreams, desires. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't know. I think, um, if, if you were hosting a podcast, sorry, if you were hosting a podcast, what would you ask yourself? <laughs> That would be an interesting one. Um, I think it's like the, the, the partnership career progression question is one that's always kind of come to mind for me as to like, if I were to ha have somebody else host a po podcast, what I'd want to ask them about. So I actually don't have any advice to give here in terms of how you navigate this, but I think it's like, we're at such a weird, um, advantage and disadvantage as partnership professionals where there is no carved out path. I think that opens a lot of opportunity for, for you to be able to carve your own path, but it's hard because you don't really know what to work towards. So maybe I'll throw it back to you guys on this one. What would you suggest to somebody who's looking to really carve out that path and figure out what the next step is for them in their journey? Shopify, I'm not looking, just, just putting it out there. <laughs> no, no, I don't think any, any of us are. We're all at uh, great companies. Um, I think, you know, if I would have gone back to, I, I jumped into partnerships a weird way because I had a marketing agency in my own SaaS company. And then I ended up getting into venture backed, um, you know, tech in the sales and partner side. But if I could go back and tell myself something, what I would say is go find the smartest people possible. And, you know, I wanted to get in B2B and, and SaaS, go find the smartest people possible and join a company that's backed by, you know, good folks and, experience that scale, you know, from 50 employees to 500, right. Or from 200 to a thousand and you go for the learning. And I think that's, that's where most people, I think 
lose out is that I see a lot of people that are bouncing in partner roles from like a hundred person company to a hundred person company to a hundred person company. It's like, I don't, you're not going to learn. You're not going to learn. It's like, and they, their titles have increased three times. And I still, I'm like, ah, you, you need to challenge yourself and see that other side. Like what I'm going through a drift right now is extremely painful. It's so hard. It's so hard to scale and grow like with the demands of the market and the business. But I'm like, you know, it's good for you, right? You learn a lot more. Yeah. So I think those people, like the ones that I've seen, like Bobby or Pete, who've seen that ascension, right? From X number of employees to Y number of employees, from X number of revenue to Y number of revenue. Those are the ones that have learned and, and, and are the experts. But the ones that kind of like stay for, you know, a couple years at you know, very, like the same size companies, I don't see their long-term career getting better, even though they might have better titles, you know, three, four years down the road. Um, I, I really care about the person that understands how to scale a business. Cause like in the partnerships world, going back to like that entrepreneurial spirit, like full stack employee, I want a broad like range of exposures that I can apply to all of the complexity that we see in partnerships. That'd be my answer. Love yeah. And, and to elaborate, to elaborate on that, I mean, Adrian, one of the reasons I, I was so excited to talk to you is because you've had experience kind of like building a program from the ground up at Uberflip, and now you're at kind of a more established company that's in a totally different stage. And um, I think my advice for people who really want to learn, um, you know, the things that uh, we're working on is you you have to kind of tackle it from, from different phases, mm -hmm. uh, building a program from the ground up and then like working for a company, you know, up, uh, I don't even know what your market cap is these days, but it's massive. It's huge. And, um, it's a completely different experience than, than working at a startup and building a program from, from the beginning. But I think it's important to really understand the differences in the programs and, um, and, uh, and, and how to build them at different phases. I totally agree. And I think like, even though I'm not building the playbook this time around, I'll be able to go to another company in my future life and do it with 10 times the amount of, of authority and confidence because I can I know the, the bigger picture of scalability and what can work and what can't. Love it. Love it. I think that's, that's going to be like the perfect spot for us to uh, call this one. Uh, before we go, we got to remind the folks. So this is episode five. And we're going to be live on everything, Apple podcast, Spotify, leave us a review, subscribe, like, um, all that fun stuff. And, uh, before we go, just a friendly reminder that this episode is sponsored by Crossbeam. Crossbeam is a partner ecosystem platform that acts as a data escrow service that finds overlapping customers and prospects with your partners while keeping your data private and secure. So you can sign up for free on crossbeam.com. Kevin, Adrian, parting thoughts. Thanks, guys. This was fun. Thanks for joining us, Adrian. That was awesome. Yeah. Peace out, partner up community. <laughs>